Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Republicans in the state legislature roll out a new elections bill that is stoking debate about voter suppression versus election integrity. Governor Ron DeSantis faces questions about how his administration responded to a neo-Nazi rally in Orlando. And Florida's congressional redistricting effort stalls. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Gentlemen, we're into uh, February of 2022. I know there's lots of good numbers uh, floating out there. How about you, John? <laughs> Zach, I'm uh, going underwater this week with my number. Uh, we don't do this often, but like you say, it's it's also really February. And while I'm I'm below zero, I've got a negative 20.4. All right, man. He's coming in with some numbers from Minnesota. I was watching the um, the USA World Cup qualifying game last night in Minnesota, and they were playing and uh, not quite negative, but uh, it was four degrees when they were playing Honduras. So that was uh, uh, a chilly a game. game. Uh, Antonio, uh, how about you? You know what? I, for the second month in a row, I'm staying in the uh, nine figures with 112 million. All right. Well, you've got us all beat by a mile. My number is 39. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, with Donald Trump continuing to make unfounded claims about election fraud, Republican leaders are under pressure to put new restrictions on voting, even here in Florida, where Trump won easily. Governor Ron DeSantis wants to create a new state police force to investigate election fraud. A bill put forward by GOP leaders in the Florida Senate does not go that far, but it does create a new office to investigate election crimes with investigators who are not sworn law enforcement officers. It also adds new requirements for absentee voting and purging voter rolls. Democrats say the bill is voter suppression. Republicans call it election integrity. John, this is going to be one of the most closely watched pieces of legislation in Florida and possibly across the country this year. Yeah, this uh, latest rewrite of Florida's elections law, you know, it was rushed out just hours before it got its first committee hearing this week uh, in the Florida Senate, where, you know, not surprising, it passed along party lines with uh, yeah, Democrats, voter rights groups, and even uh, three supervisors of elections warning that it's going to uh, place more obstacles to voting and frankly isn't needed. 
But Florida's ruling Republicans, uh, starting with Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, clearly think it's needed. And as you pointed out, uh, Zach, it, it, it folds neatly into the themes of voter fraud that continue to spew from uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, still, uh, you know, some provisions of what the governor wanted. Well, even that may be too much for his fellow Republicans to take, uh, specifically the the election crimes and security office. John, why do you think that is? Do you think that this this idea of creating a police force for the governor is is just a bridge too far? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think there is some quiet uh, discomfort with that idea, the way he had it anyway. Remember, he wanted a a fifty two person, almost six million dollar agency that was ready to invest possible voter fraud and uh, other wrongdoing. Uh, you know, w- one of my reporter colleagues here in Tallahassee had pointed out that uh, that the 26 sworn officers that the governor wanted would have been more than many of the city's largest uh, police forces and sheriff's departments have hmm. for, uh, you know, investigating, you know, regular crime, let alone what, what seems to be a, a very uh, obscure, generally uh, uh, unusual event of uh, somebody trying to uh, defraud elections in some capacity. Yeah, there's just not enough work for 26 yeah. Law enforcement officers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so so that that also increases fear that you're going to have this uh, this uh, hungry staff ready to take action on you know just about anything that moves. But um, so so instead, the, the the bill that was advanced by the Senate it, it reduces DeSantis's security force to 15 staff, which would be doing uh, the the sponsor of the bill described it as clerical work for, uh, supposedly, basically fielding tips from an elections fraud hotline about uh, potential wrongdoing that then would be passed on to 10 Florida Department of Law Enforcement investigators that are kind of, I guess, scattered around the state. But, uh, you know, other parts of the bill caught the attention of uh, election supervisors as well. Uh, Three supervisors, as I mentioned, told the committee that the legislation could spawn more problems with uh, heightened demands for information from voters submitting mail ballots and uh, for supervisors who would uh, be required to screen voter rolls more frequently to remove uh, no longer qualified voters. Uh, The Lake County election supervisor, that's Alan Hayes, he's a former longtime state senator, he told his uh, former colleagues here that they were off base with these changes. And uh, the thing that he targeted most was a real central provision of the bill that requires an additional certification envelope to be included with a returned mail ballot. Uh, on that certification envelope, voters would be required for the first time to include either the, the last four digits of the number from their driver's license, uh, state ID card, or a social security card. And uh, Hayes called this a recipe for disaster, adding that it would basically force supervisors to have to contact voters who mailed in their ballots without the you know appropriate information on it. They'd have to track these people down and make sure in a in a narrow window after they yeah. receive the ballots that this is indeed a legitimate and, and there's vote. Probably a lot of people who wouldn't put that information because they've yeah. never had to before and they have no reason to think that they would unless there was some huge public education campaign. And it's really interesting that Hayes 
continues to be so outspoken about this. I mean, he was really one of the most conservative members of the legislature when he was a state senator. And since he's become an election supervisor, he's been one of the most outspoken critics of these elections bills. He really has. He schleps up here from Lake County and uh, he's gone native. He's really uh, one of the elections people now and uh, just sees what the legislature is doing as, as just a complete you know, interference in what is, as he would see it, I think a, a pretty well-run machine when it comes to, uh, you know, collecting and counting ballots in this state. Now, uh, there's other provisions of the bill that also increase financial penalties for voter registration groups that fail to submit voter applications on time or or other missteps. And uh, just as with the Elections Crime and Security Office, opponents to that fear that these penalties could be politicized by the governor and other state officials. Uh, you know, the idea that you could start targeting, oh, let's say, uh, you know, the NAACP, some uh, Black-oriented church groups that are out there trying to raise voters that they, that, you know, leading Republicans know are probably going to be raising more Democratic voters. Uh, those are the organizations that could be targeted by this, uh, by these penalties, and then also maybe by the uh, Elections Crime and Security Office. Now, you know, there, there, there's some irony, I guess, in that, this bill was unveiled at the same, on the same day that a federal trial began just blocks from the state capitol that challenged the constitutionality of elections changes enacted last year by DeSantis and Florida lawmakers. The, uh, the, the new voter law has been under fire for from voter groups and civil rights organizations, many of the same ones that are complaining about the latest one. Um, basically, this uh, this new law adds new limits on mail ballots, the location of drop boxes, and the delivery of individual ballots by others, which uh, DeSantis and other critics often call ballot harvesting. The idea that you're uh, you know delivering somebody else's ballot now that that's been scaled back uh, in Florida law. You basically have to be a family member to uh, to do that. So we'll have to see whether last year's elections law changes are upheld by a federal court. But here we have another round of changes coming. Most of these not taking effect until January 2024. But that is in time for the next presidential election and to uh, meet what appears to be the Republican goal of uh, limiting how easy it's going to be for more voters to vote. And uh, and who knows, we may have, you know, Donald Trump back on the ballot again then, still <laughs> complaining about how he was robbed in 2020. Antonio, you know, how, how significant is this bill in our current political moment? John's talking about Trump running again, and, uh, you know, he's, he's out there still spreading these unfounded claims of election fraud. A lot of people, especially on the left, are worried that there's sort of this multi-pronged assault on some of the basic elements of our uh, democracy. Yeah, it's extremely significant, you know, especially in light of Congressional Democrats' failure to pass two key pieces of federal voting rights legislation. If you recall last month, uh, President Biden and Senate Democrats tried unsuccessfully to change Senate rules to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. That legislation in Congress would have given the U.S. Department of Justice more leeway in addressing these unnecessary voting restrictions and these efforts to curtail voting in states like Florida and across the country. And the failure now is all the more glaring as this state legislation moves forward. And kind of once again, you know, Democrats in the Biden administration seem to have been caught behind the eight ball on these issues of voting restrictions and, and state legislation. Look, for Republicans, these measures are obviously good politics. You know, they are terrible for the democratic process and for the integrity of elections. 
I mean, at the end of the day, you want to know a candidate won because they appeal to voters rather than because the rules dissuaded or kept people from voting. But these rules, critics say, could do just that and skew the playing field toward Republicans. That being said, at the end of the day, ground gains matter. Getting voters registered matters. Messaging to voters matters. And voter enthusiasm matters. And that's why Republicans have been winning midterm elections in the past decade in Florida, uh, because they're winning the ground game, which is why all these voting restrictions seem counterintuitive, especially as Republicans have in the past 20 years used mail-in voting very effectively. Republicans have dominated the state legislature and statewide elective office for more than two decades. They certainly haven't needed these restrictive measures to win before, especially now, and, and it shouldn't now, especially that their voting reg voter registration efforts have given them a huge advantage over Democrats, which begs a question as to whether these new rules proposed in Tallahassee are really meant to set the stage for ginning up and pushing forward election conspiracies and baseless elect allegations by losing candidates, which brings us to Trump. The legislation does play to the audience of one at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump does continue to spend these baseless allegations and lies about 2020 voting. And it's those anti-democratic and anti-American lies and disinformation that is the backdrop for these new voting laws, not true election reform or let alone a sincere effort you know, to safeguard election integrity. One thing that's worth noting with this latest bill, the, the, um, the legislature also passed uh, some changes to election law in the session last year, Senate Bill 90. That bill is still tied up in the courts. There's a, a, a court... Um, uh, trial going on over the bill right now. So it, whatever happens with this election bill, it's almost certain to be uh, char uh, to be challenged legally, uh, and um, it'll be uh, a huge deal when they hear that court case. You know, if it if it takes um, you know a long time, it could it might not be resolved before uh, the the next election. Um, so a lot of people will be watching that as well. Well, over the weekend, a group of neo Nazis demonstrated in Orlando with the rally drawing swift condemnation from many Florida leaders. But Governor Ron DeSantis' spokeswoman, Christina Peshaw, attracted attention for questioning whether the demonstrators were really Nazis in a tweet that she later deleted that was criticized by Democrats and some Jewish leaders, including the Anti-Defamation League. DeSantis didn't mention the demonstration until somebody asked him about it Monday afternoon, and his response was to slam Democrats for trying to, quote, smear him over his administration's response to the Nazis. Antonio, what's going on here? You know, this is what in sports is called an unforced error. But you know, let's see if we can make sense about why it even happened. Let's be clear, the display we saw this past week in Orlando was disgusting. The Nazi salutes, the anti-Jewish slurs, you know, the Nazi black shirt costumes. You can try to dismiss it as a dozen jackasses, as the governor called them, except that it was so brazen and so in your face that even a dozen of these jackasses needed to be condemned. And yet the governor just tripped over himself by getting so defensive, at one point suggesting that this was a smear attempt mm. against him. Uh, to say nothing of, you know, Press Secretary Christina Pushaw's tweet questioning whether they were really neo-Nazis or, or Democratic Party staffers. Look, we should note that so many other Florida uh, politicians in, in bipartisan fashion had no trouble correctly denouncing the display we saw. Uh, U.S. Senator Rick Scott tweeted, quote unquote, the hateful and anti-Semitic demonstrations reported in Florida today have no place in our state. That, that was on Sunday. So he immediately knocked it down. Uh, state Senator Tina Polsky, a Boca Raton Democrat, also tweeted that the governor should stop, quote unquote, whining 
And she even in a tweet <laughs> offered DeSantis a little bit of help, she said, by writing up a little statement that he could say. And it basically went like this. Nazis and white supremacists are not welcome in this state. I do not want your support. I condemn you. As Tina posted, look, it's not hard to say, you know, but why the government couldn't say that much is truly perplexing, especially as the Anti-Defamation League uh, pointed out that this particular neo-Nazi group is marginal at best. The ADL said that the, the group behind the Orlando demonstration was the uh, National Socialist Movement, or NSM. The ADL said this group was at one time was the largest and most prominent neo-Nazi group, but it's been in this steep decline in membership for many, many years. Uh, you know, this group used to hold an annual gathering to celebrate Adolf Hitler's birthday. And the last time it's had a significant one of these gatherings was back in 2017, a quote unquote white, white lives matter uh, event in Tennessee that brought together only 200 people. Today, their events draw about a dozen people, as we saw in Orlando. So why is the government so reticent to condemn a fringe, marginal, small group? You know, I heard suggestions, gentlemen, that while this group is insignificant numerically, Perhaps the governor is just low to say or do anything that would turn off the far right, even a critical, you know, even a even be critical of a far right fringe, which speaks to a sad, worse, worrisome reality. Because if you can't outright condemn neo-Nazis, then, as the axiom says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of a, a weird story. It should be pretty easy to just say Nazis are bad and move on. But I think the governor um, thinks that it, it benefits him more to to pick a fight with the media and make it seem like the media is trying to malign him somehow. Uh, that's worked for him politically, even though the media is asking legitimate questions about things like this. Well, while the Florida legislature moved forward with approving redistricting maps for state House and Senate seats this week, the effort to redraw congressional districts has stalled thanks to Governor Ron DeSantis' administration, which is asking the state Supreme Court for an opinion on whether it can do away with a minority access district in North Florida. John, this is another example of how aggressively the governor's office is getting involved in redistricting this year. Oh, that's for sure. The, the governor does look intent on really testing how far he can push state and federal law when it comes to redistricting. I mean, the fact that uh, his office had submitted a congressional map itself is remarkable since it makes him the first Florida governor in decades, uh, maybe ever, to publicly do that. The, uh, the, the governor is looking to help Republicans regain control of Congress, basically by any means necessary. And the governor's map could make it where Republicans gain two more seats out of Florida. But he does it at the expense of black voters. The uh, governor's uh, redistricting proposal would would cut in half the state's four black leaning uh, congressional districts, leaving only two that are considered likely to elect a black member of Congress. So um, one of the districts that he would erase is Democrat Al Lawson's district that stretches from Jacksonville to, Te to Tallahassee. Uh, the other one is uh, Democrat Val Demings district in the Orlando area, and uh, she's running for U.S. Senate. But, but Lawson's district, um, DeSantis is asking the state Supreme Court to review for its, its legality. Um, you know, ironically, this big east-west black plurality district was drawn by the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, in 2015. But the lineup of justices has changed since then, and three of the seven-member court is appointed by DeSantis, and all have been named by Florida Republican governors. The uh, the three replacement justices uh, had retired, and, and the, he— 
those were uh, uh, formerly appointed by Florida's last Democratic governor. That was Lawton Childs. So it's, it's widely seen that this court will probably endorse what the governor is suggesting. And he seems to be leading them down the path that Lawson's district is racially gerrymandered and violates a U.S. Supreme Court ruling from 2017 in a North Carolina case. Now, now that decision came down two years after Lawson's Jacksonville to Tallahassee district was drawn. But in redistricting, the idea of retrogression, that is uh, scaling back the number of districts where minority voters are seen as able to elect a representative of their choice. Well, well, that's long been seen as violating the Federal Voting Rights Act and in Florida, the state's fair districts uh, uh, constitutional amendments. But um, DeSantis's question to the Florida Supreme Court can be boiled down to, well, you know, is it a violation? Can we remove a black-oriented district that links far-flung minority communities? Or is federal law now saying that you can't racially gerrymander and split counties and cities along racial lines to create a black-oriented district? Uh, in compact communities, like the two black-leaning seats that DeSantis leaves alone in South Florida, it can be done, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court says. But the governor is saying that racial gerrymandering, like Lawson's, is wrong, and he'd roll away the district. And the uh, federal law overtakes any protections against retrogression in state law under fair districts. So he says, you know, the federal law trumps the state law. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a legal fight. It's It's pretty dense. Uh, but this could be a signal that we're going to be in line for a long court battle. Uh, but for now, the House is awaiting the state uh, Supreme Court's advisory opinion on DeSantis's question before moving forward with a congressional map, which also suggests that they are willing to do what the governor wants. They're kind of basically seeing, you know, what will the Supreme Court say? Uh, can we do this? The uh, Senate congressional plan is finalized and uh, maintains the state's current black congressional districts. But the House and Senate have to agree on a plan, and DeSantis has veto power over whatever is approved. So he's got some oomph to make this happen if he gets the green light from the justices, again, almost half of whom he's appointed. But um, Florida Republican legislators have been looking to avoid a protracted fight over redistricting like 10 years ago when it took three years to settle the redistricting maps. But um, still, right now, it looks like a legal fight looks like what we're about to embark on, especially if uh, diminishing minority districts uh, is the uh, question that's in play. Yeah, lot, lots of intrigue with the congressional redistricting this year, which is not unusual. This is all, often uh, a lot of political wrangling here, but it is unusual to see the governor's office get so involved in this and to get involved in a way that could antagonize minority voters here by trying to do away with a minority uh, district. You know, I think the stakes are such that you have control of the United States Congress in play. De DeSantis is a loyal Republican soldier when it comes to uh, trying to do the party's bidding at the state level that they're trying to take over Washington. So, uh, And whatever blowback he gets, uh, maybe it's worth it for Republicans if they can lock in some extra Republican seats for years to come. Well, we'll move on to uh, some some numbers here. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, I have a 112 million as a 112 million dollars and that is the amount of money that former president trump claimed to have in his uh, political war chest cash on hand quote unquote as the press release said in the statement trump issued just this week 
Now, Trump's statement, folks, it wasn't some sort of finance report. It was a shot across the bow to Republicans that might even be thinking about distancing themselves from him, even by the slightest little bit. Because, as a press release shouted, quote unquote, the MAGA movement is here to stay. Meaning, don't think about shunning me because I will make you pay and I have the money to do it. And more importantly, I have the voters. That's the message here. Now, the question is, why make such a statement? After all, it's been clear for a year that Trump has campaign deep pockets and that the base remains solidly in his corner. Perhaps it's because it's been a rough couple of months for Mr. Trump and an even worse week. And it doesn't appear things will get any better for for him going forward. First, the January 6th House Committee investigating last year's coup attempt has been issuing a steady stream of revelations that have been very damaging to Trump. Some of those revelations were made courtesy of a Supreme Court decision with three justices Trump nominated approving it that ordered the release of Trump White House documents to the January 6th committee. That trove of documents unearthed a draft executive order in which Trump mulled having federal agencies presumably abuse their power by seizing state voting machines. And another stunning revelation was the orchestration of fake slates of presidential electors. Trump himself has given the investigation tankfuls of oxygen with comments made at a rally in Texas this past weekend where he said he wanted Vice President Mike Pence to overturn the election results. Yeah, that's the quiet part out loud. And where he said he would pardon felons and criminals convicted in the attack on the Capitol and police officers trying to defend the Capitol that day. All of this has caused a lot of heartburn for elected Republicans who had the audacity to say those comments were, quote unquote, inappropriate. And the revelations have been very damaging to Trump's 2024 aspirations. Three different polls this week spelled trouble for Trump. One showed the gap between him and potential GOP rival Ron DeSantis had narrowed to 47 percent for Trump and 40 percent for DeSantis. That's just seven percentage points. Then an AP NORC survey of Republicans showed 44 percent did not want him to run again versus 56 percent who said they did. And most interesting was an NBC poll that found 56 percent of Republicans now say they define themselves as Republicans, while just 36 percent said they identify as supporters of Trump. That's almost a complete reversal from the fall of 2020. Bottom line is the January 6th investigation is having a very negative impact on Trump. And he continues to say things that deepen that hole. And, you know, there are probably more damaging revelations to come. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You bring up his fundraising. He sent out a really weird email uh, this week that was complaining about how the New York Times and other media outlets weren't covering his fundraising number. He really wanted that big flex. But I think his insecurity is is maybe, as you said, a bit of a, a sign of uh, weakness there. Uh, John, um, you, you want to tell us about your, your frosty negative number? <laughs> yeah, Zach, I came in with a negative 20.4. Well, I've been writing about uh, Florida's affordable housing problems this week for a story that We'll be running in our Gannett, Florida newspapers this weekend. But affordable housing is hard to find in Florida, if anybody is out there looking. Uh, but an element that will help is that it looks like the legislature will put about $385 million into helping build new apartments and help people with down payment assistance, uh, new construction of new housing, basically. But uh, that's going to take a while to get into the pipeline. But uh, still, that, that money fuels... Uh, what comes in to that fund is from uh, the state documentary ta- stamp tax that people pay on uh, real estate transactions. 
And uh, I've spoken earlier about how this crazy hot housing market has put the state dock stamp collections at a historic record. Uh, $4.4 billion in those tax collections are coming in this year that topped even the $4.1 billion that flowed in back in 2006, right before the housing collapse that fueled the Great Recession. But um, state economists now are predicting that the dock stamp party is about to end and that they're predicting that the, the dock stamp growth will fall by 20.4% next year. That's my negative 20.4. It's still going to be a significant source of revenue, about $3.5 billion. But yeah, that's about 20% off the peak that we're enjoying right now. And, um, you know, why the drop? Well, there's an anticipated increase in what have been historically low mortgage rates. And that's expected to cool a lot of the buying and start bringing home prices down from the stratosphere where they are right now. Um, the analysts say that, um, you know, that this is an issue that is going to be, you know, obviously felt in the state treasury uh, as things go forward. Um, you know, it, it, construction activity has been subpar for the last couple of years, but um, that has helped put more pressure on this existing housing supply and uh, it's helped drive prices up, which are really going through the ceiling. Uh, for rentals as well. But those interest rate increases will apparently be felt fast and it's going to be like cold water thrown onto the hot rocks that keep up the steam in this Florida uh, housing sauna when it comes to uh, the tax collections coming in. So uh, for those struggling with housing, it's not good news because it's possible that the relatively robust $385 million that is going into housing this year that it won't be matched next year because those dock stamp collections just aren't coming in at the high rate. And um, we're expected to stay in that low point for a while with uh, steady declines in dock stamp collections expected each of the following two years, taking us through 2025 before we see uh, another slight uptick. Tick. Uh, this is all according to state economists. So, you know, if you're like many of us thinking of trying to sell your house at a top dollar, I guess maybe the advice is, uh, you know, stop thinking and call your realtor. <laughs> it, it looks like the party may be over soon. Yeah, but uh, what else are you going to buy is the big question. Yeah, that's the issue. But yeah, but yeah, well, not good if you're uh, concerned about more money for affordable housing. Although, if those interest rates cool off the increase in housing uh, prices, that might help uh, some people trying to buy homes. Well, my number is uh, 39, as in just 39% of likely Florida voters approve of the job that President Joe Biden is doing, according to a new Suffolk University USA Today poll that was released this week. That's a bad sign for Florida Democrats heading into the 2022 midterm election. Right now, Biden looks like a drag on the Democratic ticket in Florida. The poll also has Governor Ron DeSantis leading Democrats Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed in head-to-head -head matchups. And it has uh, Senator Marco Rubio leading Congresswoman Val Demings, his Democratic challenger. There was some good news for Florida Democrats this week. Demings raised more money than Rubio in the fourth quarter of 2021. And that's the third quarter in a row that she has beat Rubio in fundraising. That's a, a good sign for Deming's uh, campaign. She's been attracting a lot of attention nationwide. She's um, you know, viewed as a, as a pretty strong candidate, but polling shows 
that she needs to raise that big money to introduce herself to Florida voters, many of whom have no idea who she is. The Suffolk University USA Today poll found that 29% of voters hadn't heard of Demings in Florida, and another 29% didn't have an opinion of her. Biden's sinking approval rating is just the latest setback for Florida Democrats who have seen the Florida GOP eclipse them in voter registrations and are struggling to find a message to take on DeSantis. The poll showed the top three issues for Florida voters are the economy, inflation, and immigration, all of which DeSantis has hammered on in recent months and which he probably has advantages on. DeSantis is strong enough in Florida that he even matches up well against former President Donald Trump. The poll shows Trump leading DeSantis in a head-to-head matchup in Florida, but the lead is within the margin of error, indicating it would be a jump ball if the two ran against each other in their home state. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.